DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Athlon ranking all the coaches in the Pac-12, 1 through 12. And they put Kyle Whittingham, number one. David Shaw, number two. Mario Cristobal, three. And you're Herm Edwards, number four, PK. So, the question for a lot of people who are hitting us up on social media is, how can Kyle Whittingham be number one when his team has never been number one even one time? And I think part of this is you got to look at a guy who's got three conference titles in Shaw, but he's had three straight years without a double-digit win season, and they went four and eight. So they're over 500, but not by a lot over the last three years. The bloom's off the rose there. A guy who's got two titles, well, he's not an active coach in the Pac-12 anymore. Chris Peterson stepped aside. A guy who's got one title, Mario Cristobal, has only been on the job two years, so people might be a little reluctant to crown him, especially when Oregon has built-in financial uh, advantages. And another guy who's got a conference title is uh, USC coach Clay Helton, but they've gone 13-12 and 12 the last two years. So the guys who have conference titles, they also have some, some check marks that go against them. Kyle Whittingham. You'll give him the number one job without a conference title because... Because I like him. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, in other news... <laughs> now, other reasons well, that won't I, make people hit I their head. I think you have to look way. at... you, you got to look at everything involved here. You know, they do have some advantages, but relative to other programs, they have disadvantages. And you look at, there, there's, winning and win, the win and loss record is a massive deal. And I always just kind of smirk a little bit or raise an eyebrow when people start saying, well, there's more to it than winning and losing. Yeah, and I know there is on the surface, but that's how coaches are judged that's how players are judged uh, you know quarterbacks we hear about how many super bowls and and you know we're overlooking kaepernick has lost 10 out of his last 11 starts whether that's fair or not that's really not the point but that's how we judge them you know and i think quarterbacking shouldn't necessarily be judged exclusively by how many super bowls you won and what your win-loss record is because there's so many factors that go into it but nevertheless that's how we do it so you look at it and right now there isn't a dominant clear-cut choice but you look at some other things you know they had the backup quarterback a backup running back and they darn near beat washington uh, they really they, they should have won that game, but they didn't. And last year was a little bit of a mystery because I was really surprised that Oregon Oregon took it to them, and that was a surprise. Uh, the bowl game, now that I look back, wasn't that big of a surprise because everybody who's lost in the Pac-12 title game has lost their bowl game. And I think it's nine for nine. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's a hangover effect there when you're playing for the Rose Bowl and you don't get it. But you look at the number of guys that he's put in the NFL. I mean, they're right there with anybody. And the consistency of the program that they've had. I mean, they they are the Utah football is the definition of consistency. And Kyle Whittingham is the definition of what a consistent coach should be. He's got a plan. He's got a philosophy. And they execute that literally every single day that they're out there on that practice field and recruiting the way they go about bringing in their guys that aren't necessarily all that with the star ranking. But yet you see them three, four years later, and you got a faux two and an eye, and the list goes on and on. Blackman, guys that end up being in the draft. So, 
Yeah, winning and losing absolutely is does matter to a strong degree, and he has not won a conference title, so I understand that argument, but I just don't think you can singularly isolate that argument as the reason why or why not. Well, I would agree because I think that you've got to look at everybody else who's out there, too. And I think there was, there was some other coach who'd won, I don't know, three of the last five titles and was still active and hadn't had a brutal season where everything fell apart. That'd be the guy, you know. But I think the guys who do have the titles, you know, for one reason or another, there's a reason people are kind of looking at sideways at them. Uh, and it goes back to what you said earlier. This list is fluid. A year ago, Chris Peterson's number one on this list, if I'm compiling it. He's the guy. He's the guy. The run he had, he doesn't have to explain really bad seasons. He's won two of the last three titles, and he's gone to the playoff. So he would have been number one on the list. But he stepped down, so he's not on the list. So next year, I think that um, you know, if Cal were to have a breakout season, we would look at Wilcox differently because he's built over three years. They've constantly been getting better. Now, I think Oregon's going to have another big season, and I think Cristobal, you know, with two league titles in three years, if he does it, uh, then he could be the guy, and he could be number one on this, this list. But nobody in the South has won the division three years in a row in the decade since they went to this format after the expansion out of the Utes and, uh, and the Buffs in Colorado. So if Kyle rebuilds this whole defense on the fly, then they're, they're largely picked second. USC's pretty much one. They're two. And then ASU and UCLA are in the three, four spots. And Colorado, Arizona are five, six. If they don't finish second, if they finish first, and they got SC coming in here this year, and if they win that game, and you know, then you got a game lead, and you got the tiebreaker, and if they win the division again, if they pulled off the league, Kyle'd be slam dunk number one. All the people who are tweeting at us now wouldn't have a thing to say. He'd be the guy. So there's not a lot of separation, and what happens in the next year or two can easily reorder this list in the same way that I think Shaw was the guy, and these last three years they've slipped. And Peterson became the guy, but he stepped down. So it's Kyle at the top of the list. But you know, there's a lot of guys with pretty good resumes. No one has a complete slam dunk. And that can change real quick here in the next six months, certainly in the next 18 months. So we should just give it to Phil Knight then? <laughs> he is the MVP. He's keeping Oregon in it. <laughs> I mean, USC's always got their tradition to fall back on, and they got their location. They're sitting there right there in a recruiting mother load. You know, there's so many four and five star players. They have, <laughs> they just go down to Orange County and just grab another couple quarterbacks. I was going to say they grab another quarterback, but they got two of the top 50 recruits this year. So, yes, Phil Knight gives Oregon massive advantages, and we can't acknowledge that he's helped Stanford out a little bit. We, can, we can't mention that, can't we? He's helped Stanford a little bit. He has. Oh, yeah, he looked that up. Those are his two schools. He attended both of those institutions there. Yeah. So, you know, you, you said USC has their mother load. Yak, what does Boise State have? Yeah, <laughs> they're crack. <laughs> oh, Yak, you're taking too long. I mean, obviously, Boise State has their crack. <laughs> <laughs> You happy with yourself now? You happy? Oh, you said it so definitively, too. Morgan is just basically a hooker. <laughs> Let me hear that Boise again. That just tickles my fancy. Uh, I don't know that the fan base. I mean, obviously, Boise State has their crack. Hey, now. <laughs> 
<laughs> Yak's not trying to talk. He doesn't have his microphone on. Come on, Yak. Well, I had PK in offline. So. <laughs> uh, anybody else on this list uh, shock you, amaze you? Because these are the teams Kyle's going to have to beat to get it, it really done again. Is. Jimmy Jimmy Lake at 10. Kevin Sumlin at Arizona at 11. Jimmy Lake's a new coach at Washington. He's at 10. Kevin Sumlin's at 11. Carl Durrell at Colorado is 12. So the youths, the youths get to see some of the teams that are uh, brand new. Their coaches are struggling. Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, number 9. It seems a little low. They've gotten better. Went from 2-10 and 10 to 5-7. and seven. They've jumped right there. That's a good jump, and that's and that's four and five in the league too. We should point out, which in a bizarro year puts you in a tie for second, which is one of the problems with these preseason rankings. You know, we rank them definitively one, two, three, four, five, six, but then you end up with a bunch of teams. Was it three or four teams in the Pac-12 North who went uh, who went four and five? And so the whole two, three, four, five designation becomes pretty meaningless when you're all sitting there. It was three of them. Cal, Washington, and Oregon State were all four and five. Washington State and Stanford were three and six. So uh, you, you can rank them all, but what does it really matter when they're all jumbled up like that? Right, but I think that's been the essence of the Pac-12 for many years, and that's what's hurt it, is it doesn't have the dominant team that you can count on because you get into October, November, and a team that doesn't appear good on a Saturday can rise up. You just look at Utah when, I forget which five and seven year it was, but Stanford came in here ranked fifth in the country, mm-hmm. and they walked out of Rice-Eccles with a loss, remember? Mm-hmm, I do. It was a great finish. It was crazy. Stanford was driving down the field. They were down inside the five-yard line right at the end. Late incomplete pass, and, and Utah got out of there with a W. And the place went nuts. And they actually had a pretty good record at that point, too. And then had a big losing streak, and it all fell apart. But when they beat them and walked off the field right, that day, we... nobody knew uh, that's the, that they weren't even going to be bowl eligible. That was, uh, that was a curveball. Will that be three words, three words, not bull eligible? <laughs> I don't think Kyle screamed that. That didn't make him feel. Yeah, here it is. It was, it was 2013. It was the second one. And when they beat Stanford, they improved to four and two. But they lost five in a row. But at four and two, you don't really think, oh, four and two with a win over Stanford. You know, you don't. And, and the losses had been, you know, I mean, the Oregon State loss was in overtime and they were four and two with an OT loss. Didn't see the five-game losing streak coming. But, you know, a couple of years before that, they were completely in the dumper, and they rattled off four in a row to get bowl eligible their first year in the league. So as much yep. as we think we know midway through the season how the season is going to go, uh, we don't necessarily. It's now, a day-to-day thing. Yeah, it really is. Thank you. That was well done, Yak. Uh, last year, we thought how we knew it was going to go, and that's how it went. You know, once they won that game of Washington, we thought they're going to just annihilate a series of teams here. They're not only going to win, they're going to just overwhelm people through the month of November. And that's exactly how it went. So sometimes you're pretty dialed in and you know what's coming up next. And sometimes it's just a, it's a big old curveball to mix my sports references. It's one other thing I wanted to say as far as Utah being a credit to their program is by and large, people stay. 
And what I mean by that is you look at last year. Last year, the complexion of that team was by seniors who chose to stay when they could have very easily put their name in the draft and most likely been on a roster last year. But they didn't do that. They came back, and I think that's a credit to the program that you have that many guys. You take a Jalen Johnson, now he left early, and that was his intention since he was 17 years old, and he followed through. But the rest of them, they all decided to come back, and I think what, uh, Gidry left early too. There's one other kid, I think that's who it was. But those seniors, and maybe not, maybe not a Burgess because he, he sort of rose up, Uh, on the outside and then got himself where he was in a great position and it worked out very well for him. But several of them, obviously, they could have gone, but they chose to come back. And to me, that's a credit to the coach and the program. You look at the Sun Devils this year, going into this season, they have a total of seven seniors on their roster for this uh, 2020 season. That's not very many. That's why you'd be surprised if they won the division, right? Because they just don't have that many seniors. Well, you're looking at, okay, next year should be their big year. But they've got a number of juniors, and you wonder, will they come back? So they may not have that payoff. Or the Utes, they had a number of juniors, and they came back. And I think that's a credit to the program why they wanted to come back when clearly at least three, four, or five of them could have put their name in and had a very good chance to make a roster. So I think that needs to be something. And that's sort of underlying, and it doesn't really get considered as far as a coach. But he, I don't want to say he got them to come back. They wanted to come back. Well, a couple things. One, there's definitely some truth to that. Two, I always wonder when when guys come back, a guy who's a seventh, sixth, maybe even fifth round pick who thinks he can make himself a second, third, or fourth round pick comes back, but can you get the first round picks and do they come back? Are we in an age where those guys are definitely, if you're a first round, second round, first, second round pick as a junior, you're just gone. Are there a lot of, I mean, do I, I, I can go way back and find guys who came back for the fourth year, but that's not really a fair comparison to now. It's a different mindset now. Yeah, but did those guys who come back, uh, we have no way of knowing, how much did they really, really improve their draft stock, though? Because it's not like they had a, a – Burgess clearly did, but I don't think Burgess was uh, being considered to go last year at this time or before the, the draft's already come and gone, so before that. Uh, but, yeah, he just he rose up, and it's a phenomenal story. Uh, Cody Barton, the year before, I don't think that he was in the position no. to say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get drafted a, yeah, in the third, third round. round. He ends up with a phenomenal senior season. Ma, what right. about Moss? He got where, that. Where but was, I don't think that Fotu and Anai. Okay, Anai, I can see that. I wonder how much Moss. Now, Moss was a weird deal because he was hurt at the end of the year, and so he could come back and answer exactly. durability questions. Yes. So that's kind of a one-off. That's I don't know how to predict that one exactly. Um Cody Barton, as you point out, certainly improved his draft stock with his final year in college. I think that's a that's a no doubter right there. Uh, I don't I don't know that Anai. Okay, DJ. Yeah. Then how about we use Burgess and Barton as examples, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't necessarily on the draft radar as juniors, and then they play 13, 14 games, and not only are they not are they on the draft radar, they get drafted pretty high. You get drafted in the third round in the NFL, I consider that pretty high because you're virtually guaranteed 
to make an NFL roster, and we'll see how good you are to get the second contract. That remains to be seen for these guys. But how about crediting Kyle and his staff for that? Taking two guys that really nobody thought of, and then, boom, a year later, we got to have these guys. So is that something that when you look at a coach and you're trying to determine who's a great coach, who's better than this coach or that coach, should you consider that too? When you're looking, why did Athlon rank him number one, especially if you're one of the people listening to this saying, he doesn't have a conference title, how can they rank him number one? I think what PK just said in the last 45 seconds is why they ranked him number one. I mean, he's definitely got the rep for taking guys and other people don't see something into him, and he doesn't just turn them into good players. Well, he does turn them into good players, and he turns some of them into NFL players. And there are a bunch of other guys that he's turned into good college players who can help you win games, even though there wasn't a line of schools right. you know, tripping over each other, getting out of the cars, going for home visits. And that's why he's number one on the list. That, that and I think there's a lot of respect for just yeah. the continued winning. Yes, there were from five and sevens as you transitioned into the league, and yes, there were quarterback injuries, but the quarterback plays improving, and the team has gone from eight wins to nine wins to ten wins to 11 wins. It's five winning seasons in six years. And, and there's a constant arrow up. There's never the big year and the big jump. We're not seeing that, but you're seeing this just constant improvement. And that's why he's number one on the list. And, you know, anybody who it, it's I think it's close, though. And so whoever has a couple of big years, you know, we're going to we're going to be having this debate and the and the list is going to look different. And I think if you go to the SEC and you have this debate every year, I don't think the list looks very different. I think if you go to the Big 12, uh, there's some changes down the line. Well, there's always changes down the line because there's always teams getting new coaches. Um, you know, but I think that it's pretty much the same programs that are good, and and the Pac-12, you know, they just this is about the uh, if if you love the conference, it's the parity, and if you hate the conference, it's the mediocrity, and we're talking about the same thing. You know, the same guys don't win all the time, and they they hand the division titles and the conference titles around a little bit. Yep. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Ross Dellinger, National College Football Writer for Sports Illustrated, joins us next. We'll run this by him, get his thoughts on the upcoming season. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Atlanta Hawks GM Travis Schlenk says the NBA has told the league's GMs that the Format for the 2020-21 NBA schedule could be a little compressed. More back-to-backs, some four games and five-night combinations, which the league has been trying to move away from. But they're looking to start in the league December 1 and wrapping it up in time to get the elite players off to the Olympics in Japan in the summer. New Atlanta Falcons running back Todd Gurley passed his physical with the team after originally signing a one-year, $5.5 million deal with the franchise more than two months ago. And the Major League Baseball Players Association made a proposal to Major League Baseball for an 89-game season, full prorated share of salary, and an expanded 16-team playoff. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. They've talked to us about on one of our GM calls how it might be a condensed schedule next year, more so than in the past. As you know, there's been a there's been a big drive to avoid back to backs and certainly four and five nights, but we might find ourselves in a situation next year where where it's going to be much more condensed. DJ and PK, time to get you up to speed. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. All right, everything else we've been through the last three months, PK, I guess there's no point in complaining too much about four games in five days in the NBA. Condense the schedule, because they won't be able to start till December 1, because this season's going to end late, and they want to end in time to get the elite players to the Olympics. So, congested schedule. More hoops. I don't think it's the best product, but in a one-off, they may not they may not be left with a lot of uh, opportunities, other other choices here, other options, not opportunities, but other options. One option would be to play like sixty games, but that would cost everybody a lot of money. So I'm figuring that option goes off the table real quick. Yeah, what would Jerry Sloan think about this condensed schedule? He would say, "Suck it up and play it." We played six games in seven days, four and five. Let's go. You're getting your checks on the 1st and 15th. Let's go. I don't want to hear any complaint. That's Jerry. <laughs> Shut the bleep up. <laughs> yeah, probably. There you go. Uh, other stuff we were talking about. Why do we advise players, especially football players, to get your money while you can? Uh, Todd Gurley. Past the physical with the Falcons. We heard about the one-year, $5.5 million deal a couple months ago, but he had to pass the physical. There's some type of issue with the knee or something else that hasn't been brought up. It took a couple months to pass the physical. He did two years ago. He was all that, and the Rams were in the Super Bowl. And now the Rams have given up on him, and he's signing a one-year deal with the Falcons. So get your money while you can because things change really quickly and you never know especially in the NFL yeah most especially in the NFL and most especially for running backs man they're here today and gone tomorrow and that's almost not an exaggeration because if Todd Gurley doesn't have a decent season you can see that he's not going to be in the NFL next year and what would he be 26 27 years old I mean come on that's like virtually overnight so yes NFL wise I I would advise those guys every single time even if it means the expense of going from a great team to a lousy team you've got to get that money because who knows how long you're going to be in that league and chances are you're not going to be in that league very long. Major League Baseball Players Association, another offer. They're going back and forth with the owners. They aren't there yet. But the players offered a 16-team playoff format. I think that's a big step towards the deal because the owners think they're going to lose money on the regular season if they have to pay them you know, for 82 games, but they don't have fans in the stands. They're going to lose the money. But you can recoup it with more playoff games. I think they're definitely on to something. Now, 16 teams out of 30 is a lot in baseball where they normally have 10, but it's what we see in the NBA. And certainly, again, as a one-off, if this helps get a deal, do it already. Do it and get those pitchers thrown and let's get going. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. 
All right, DJ and PK, it is time to talk college football with Ross Dellinger, National College Football Writer for Sports Illustrated. Ross, good morning. Good morning. How are y'all? Doing well. Uh, I'm reading different stuff. Uh, there, are, uh, we, we heard the Big 12 commissioner come out uh, uh, about a week or so ago and say, hey, I'm more confident now than I was 30 days ago. We're also seeing some individual schools that are testing athletes, and there's a lot of positive tests popping up, and some people worry about that. How confident are you, before we start breaking down the football, that the football we break down now will actually happen uh, you know, Labor Day weekend? Well, pretty confident, you know, I think. For a while now, we've been moving in the the right direction to, to you know, start football on time. You know, the last three weeks or so, it's it's kind of been there's been a lot of signs. Uh, you know, and the latest one being the NCAA's uh, preseason plan that they've uh, that they've uh, outlined and we'll vote on and we'll almost certainly approve tomorrow to kind of phase in workouts and training camp uh, before we start the season. So all, all most signs are positive. But, I think those positive tests uh, were expected, you know, when athletes uh, get back to campus. Uh, as long as you don't have too many or uh, you don't have um, a lot of them, you know, later in the year, like into August or so. Uh, I think initially, though, you, we all kind of knew there were going to be a few positive tests. Um, and certainly any kind of outbreaks can really derail the uh, the forward progress, you know, but right now it's, it, you know, all signs kind of uh, point to us, you know, starting a, a season on time. So since you have them uh, signs pointing to a season on time, I would assume that you mean that you believe that it would be a complete 12 game season. What about fans in the stands? What do you think of that? Well, I think they're certainly going to try to get all 12 games in I think you might see a situation where some schools might play uh, might not play all 12 games because of you know an outbreak or something like that that might uh, end up canceling uh, games uh, they, they're certainly preparing for that to happen they're preparing for disruptions uh, interruptions and, and even before the season starts in, in training camp maybe in August you know it, as part of the the NCAA's preseason plan, you you know a team has to practice uh, four weeks in order to to play a season. If they don't get those four weeks in, they don't they can't start until they do. And uh, so there could be some interruptions um, in August uh, from virus outbreaks, and you might not be able to start on time. Some teams, um, so there there's certainly some teams that, that might not play a full schedule, and that's kind of one of the big issues that conference commissioners are discussing is what do you do um, with a team that, you know, is 7-1 and one in the conference versus a team that maybe didn't play all of its conference games to that 5-1 or 6-1, and one, you know, when it comes to tiebreakers and such. So they have different models for, for a lot of that. You know, as far as fans, that that is one of the biggest uncertainties right now, and, and I think it will be that way until we get into August. I, I've seen some athletic directors uh, not not expecting to have any kind of real concrete plan on attendance until early to mid-August. And that's because as we, you wait longer and longer, you know, we learn a little more and more about, about the virus and how it impacts things. And, and uh, the longer you wait, kind of the better uh, it could be as far as, uh, you know, how many fans you could have in the stands. And we're going to see different schools do different things, you know, depending on how the virus impacted that school or that region. Might have 20 percent in the stadium compared to 40 percent or 60 percent. Uh, you've seen a lot of uh, athletic directors announce their plans to hold, you know, a full stadium, you know, capacity 
I, that's, you know, doctors will tell you that's pretty implausible. Um, but right now that's their expectation. Because uh, you know, if, you're, if you're doing social distancing in a stadium and you do six feet um, between, you know, groupings of four or six seats, uh, most architects and, and doctors will tell you that uh, you're not going to be able to fit more than 20% in a stadium. Uh, so it'll be interesting. And that, like I said, it's, it's we got probably two and two months or so until those things might um, be a little more con- concrete. You know, there, there are a lot of unanswered questions right now when it, when it comes to attendance. Ross Dellinger, National College football writer for Sports Illustrated, joining us. And you've got a story out about this that, uh, that people can read online. And uh, obviously, revenue is going to take a hit. They're going to have to, uh, they're going to be a lot of issues with expenses. Do you think the way recruiting has changed? Uh, you know, guys haven't been able to get on planes. Obviously, coaches have had uh, football coaches have had to recruit, and other sports coaches too have had to recruit virtually. Do you think that's here to stay, just to save money, fewer rental cars, fewer hotels, less per diem, less airline tickets, all that stuff? Certainly, uh, for these mid, you know, mid-major type programs, the group of five programs, I, I think you are going to see uh, more of that. You know, virtual type recruiting and Zoom Zoom uh, interviews and, and, and tours. You know, visits through Zoom and stuff like that. You know, what you also might see that sticking around is the virtual meetings, just from a team standpoint. You know, you're not going to see um, a full team room with players, you know, shoulder to shoulder uh, uh, at a, a team meeting uh, this year, maybe beyond, you know, you're going to have a, a social distancing type meeting or you're going to have it online. You hear a lot of coaches that are going to keep doing the virtual uh, meetings with their players and a virtual film study and stuff like that. They they like it. You know, players can do it from wherever. Um, so you might see that stick around too. You know, there's a lot of things in society that are going to stick around uh, after the virus and, you know, after the pandemic is over because probably already gonna, always going to have the virus lingering around. But after the pandemic kind of ends, um, you're going to see a lot of things stick in society. I, I think the same way in sports, you know, uh, when it comes to, to uh, you know, the virtual recruiting and, and the virtual meetings uh, just you know, from a team standpoint as well. I heard some coaches say that because the players haven't been with the strength and conditioning folks the way they normally have, that they may not be in the best of shape compared to where they used to be, and they're thinking that depth is going to be more important than ever. How much do you buy that theory going into the season? You know, obviously depth depth is always important, but but I think a lot of them are right. You know, uh, these athletes, uh, especially at the, the major college level, are used to basically training year-round. Um, they get off, uh, you know, the calendar starts and you know, if you, you pick up the calendar after the football season ends in, in December, January, uh, they get a little bit of time off in January and then they start the winter training in February with strength and conditioning coaches and then they, that leads into spring practice in March and April. Um, and then they get a tiny bit of time off in May, and then that leads in the summer workouts, you know, in June and July. And so that's what they're used to doing. Well, they missed most of March, uh, April, May, and a lot of them will miss parts of June. So certainly they won't be in the kind of shape uh, that we're normally used to seeing players in. And, uh, and that's why the NCAA has instituted 
that uh, enhanced training, they're calling it, uh, in mid-late July uh, to give coaches a little more time with walkthroughs and such and strength staff a little more time to ready players for camp and thus, you know, camp readying them for the season. But there, there's a lot of time missed, and I'm sure we're going to see the impacts of that when the season begins. Ross Dellinger joining us, National College Football Writer for Sports Illustrated. This is way out there on the horizon, but I'm curious, as the National Writer, have you had any conversation with the folks who run the playoffs, the New Year's Six games, the other bowl folks, and are they all on the same page as what the postseason might look like if it happens, if it doesn't happen? It'll be different if it does. Uh, what options are you hearing for December and January? Yeah, you know, that's that's one of the things that may, maybe it's because it's so down the line that I haven't actually gotten around to is, is you know, the, the postseason of football. I mean, I've read some other stories and such. Uh, you know, the bowls are – they're going to be there. You know, they they're, obviously they make um, a lot of money, and they're going to they're gonna be able to kind of tour it, I think, their schedules and however they need to. Um, maybe you have a drop-off in a few. Who knows? It just depends on how things go uh, with the pandemic. But uh, I haven't talked to a, a, a good number of those folks. Uh, now, the CFP, I, I don't expect, you know, many changes there, uh, really. You know, I know there's, there's a lot of written at the start of this pandemic that maybe this will be uh, the, the you know, trigger to to expand the uh, the playoff. I, I mean, I think, you know, we're going to get an expanded playoff at some point. Uh, I don't expect anything immediate to happen because of this. But certainly these schools need, uh, you know, they're going to be losing some money if you expand the playoff. You obviously expand the, the payouts and such. So that's certainly a possibility, but not, I don't think not for this year. So I, I would guess that, uh, you know, everything's pretty much on schedule. The, the problem with, the, obviously, the bowls and, in the playoff, they take place during the normal flu season. So, uh, you know, you, you wonder how that can uh, go down if, if the pandemic kind of lingers and we get a second wave or, or something of the virus or a third wave or whatnot in December and January, how that impacts travel. Think about all the, all the players and athletes that travel for bowl games across the nation uh, in, in obviously the college football playoff too. So it, it might just be uh, those decisions might, you know, come deeper into the fall. So you have strong East Coast ties, and we're trying to decide out here in Utah the issue with Morgan Scowley and the, and the racial slur that he sent in a text. How big of an issue is it? Does it even transfer to where you could call it a scandal? From being at it from a distance, how would you view it? Well, it's not, you know, it's not only there, of course. It seems to be a, a movement that, you know, obviously that just pops up, and you've seen a lot of uh, – you know, head coaches and, and strength coaches look kind of silly. Uh, obviously, look look bad for some of the uh, things that maybe they that have come up that they've said in the past and done. You know, at Iowa, obviously, a lot of that is uh, going on. You, you saw the, the stuff with uh, Florida State uh, last week, and then obviously you mentioned uh, there at Utah. So it's 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 a kind of a a national thing right now. We're seeing. Um, you know, you, you coaches and, and specifically strength coaches, you know, they say a lot of different things to motivate players. And, um, and sometimes there's a line there and they, they cross it quite a bit, I think. And those days, because of the uh, empowerment of, of athletes, those days are, are, I think, over. You know, we're kind of seeing the, the end of that. Um, 
you know, you can motivate, you have to motivate athletes in different ways now. Ross Dellinger, National College Football Writer for Sports Illustrated, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So, do you think there are more big surprises out there, or can we largely predict how this is going to go, or do you think we should brace for some crazy curveballs that we can't anticipate right now? Like as far as the season? Like yes. the, the virus and stuff? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think the biggest one is, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but the potential interruption of, of camp. You know, if you have a flare-up or some kind of outbreak in, in August, and these teams have to have that four-week of practice, before the four weeks of practice where they can start, you know, if you have an interruption of a few days or something, are you going to be able to start on time? You know, that's, that's one kind of big thing that I think officials are, are fearing that, that could happen uh, during the season. You know, um, uh, some kind of universal testing protocol is, is going to be needed uh, where, where everybody's on some similar pages and they're discussing that from a conference standpoint on how to get a more universal policy uh, for testing during the, during the year and what players are ineligible when you have a positive test, how you do contact tracing and ineligibility of those players. So those are all things that, that have to be taken care of. And, you know, another big fear, obviously, is, is the, a second or third wave of the virus coming in the middle of the football season. You know, they even have models of a, a split season. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's certainly a, a concern as we move forward. So assuming we have a season and it's played out uh, as much as regular can be, do you think it's the same six, eight teams that we've had vying for the 14 playoff and will be the same again? You got to walk through it. You kind of broke up on me. What was that again? About the playoff. If we have a regular yeah. season the way we know it, do you think it'll be the same teams that we've seen the last several years vying for the playoff again? Yeah, I, I mean, it seems like it. We're, every year that's the case, right? Uh, uh, it, it does. It. Uh, I, I would. I would expect some of the similar players to, to be in there. Um, you know, it's just that's what we've gotten to in football. Uh, is is the same with six to eight to ten competing, and a lot of that's because, you know, budgets and in, in uh, recruiting territory, and you know, I don't. I don't necessarily expect that to change anytime soon. Uh, you know, the, the Alabamas and the um, LSUs and the Clemsons and the Ohio States, uh, I expect them all to be there. It, you know, this year, it's are those the next rung of teams that are on that level, are they going to be able to compete this year like Texas and uh, USC? You know, can they, can they come back? Um, uh, you know, maybe even Michigan. I, I'm, I'm certainly watching that like you do every year, kind of waiting for those teams because they're strong, uh, you know, histories and, and uh, athletic budgets, uh, you know, finally maybe starting to compete. Well, Ross, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on the air and sharing your thoughts. Uh, Ross Dellinger, National College Football Writer for Sports Illustrated. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, guys. All right, a little college football, a little look ahead. DJ and PK, stay with us. Coming up, your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time for your feedback. What do you think about today's show? All the stuff you've heard. It's brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com.
Clint dismisses the entire Athlon is Kyle Whittingham number one conversation with Athlon. There may be a six and a half on a scale of ten. No credibility for Athlon. Why not? Must he doesn't go into it. Maybe he doesn't like other stuff they've written. I don't know. Not buying it. Captain Cody just sent us the classic Will Ferrell We Are Laughing gif. He is not buying Kyle Whittingham as the best coach in the conference. Not at all. I I think that's uh, wrong to just completely dismiss it. I absolutely think it's wrong to completely dismiss it. Uh, Who's the lock? I mean, how is he not at least in the conversation? If he's in the conversation, you can't completely dismiss it. He's at least in the conversation. You know, if you want to go, Crystal Ball's 21-6. and six. I don't care that Oregon's got a lot of cash, gorgeous facilities, and he's only been on the job two years. They're 21-6. They're and six. They're the defending champs, and they're going to be picked to repeat, and I think they're going to do it, and I think he's the guy. I mean, if that's your take and you want to rank him number one, no, okay, that's not out of the realm either, but it still doesn't leave you know Kyle down at number seven, not in the mix. There's no, there's no way. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bevy of Swans says, what do I think of Kyle as number one? It's a joke, honestly. He has no Pac-12 hardware <laughs> despite playing in one of the easiest divisions in college football. Wow. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Uh, Joined three years ago, has five followers. So still doesn't have a picture for the avatar. So that's that's Bevy of Swans right there. I'd like to give you a a little more background, but there's nothing there. Staying fairly anonymous. Uh, Let's see. We were discussing uh, Colin uh, Kaepernick because uh, Al Sharpton and some NFL players, including the uh, Saints uh, safety, Malcolm Jenkins, said Goodell's apology. That's good. But uh, let's go all the way here and put Kaepernick and get him back in the league. And uh, and we were discussing how all this, uh, you know, becomes politics and can you take politics to the workplace and you can but what happens if you take politics to the workplace and Ryan says how is police brutality a political issue and and he doesn't say anything more now Ryan I assume to you this is a human rights issue and it shouldn't be political and I get there are a lot of people who feel that way but I mean it is a political issue you know, you can say it shouldn't have become a political issue but it's clearly a political issue you can say it shouldn't okay. be and I get that but it is how is the safety of our country not a, a uh, whatever type of issue, a safety issue, so we should close the borders? I mean, see, where does that end? Uh, right, right now, whether you wear a mask or not in the middle of a pandemic is a political issue. And you can say that shouldn't be, but it is. And the answer is, it never ends. Anything can become a political issue. If the people, in an election year, if the people who are political, who run for office, or support people who run for office, or run campaigns, if they decide something is a political issue, it, it evolves into a political issue pretty quickly. I agree with you. Uh, let's see. And then we get right back into uh, more Kyle Winningham's. Here's a whole string of Kyle Winningham's, probably from when we were discussing in the 7 o'clock hour. I love Coach Witt, but Shaw is definitely number one. You know, if you want to go whole career, Shaw's got it. Because with three titles, uh, let's see, we've got uh, 
Only two other active coaches with titles, am I right? Is everybody else now? Peterson took two of them and left. Cristobal at Oregon and USC, the other titles belong to past Oregon coaches. Uh, Unless I'm forgetting somebody, PK, and I don't think I am, Shaw's got more conference titles than all the other coaches in the conference combined who are active. But he's got well, an answer yeah. for three years without getting to double-digit wins the last three years and a 4-8 and eight campaign. So I think that's why the Athlon people ranked him number two. They had him one. Uh, they had Kyle one, David Shaw two, Mario Cristobal three. Herm Edwards four. Justin Wilcox has Cal trending up, and they're five. Chip Kelly six, and Clay Ellen's all the way down at seven. Yeah, that, that could change. If the, if the Trojans win the division and conference this year, he'll zoom up because, yep. uh, I mean, you you look at this five-star and four-star recruiting for this next season. So got kids that are seniors right now or going to be seniors, I should say. I mean, it looks like the Trojans are cleaning up, man, if you believe all that stuff, that they're way ahead of where everybody else is, even Oregon for that matter. So Hilton could turn it around quickly. But at the same time, those uh, – rankings that you have with the stars that creates a level of expectation and i think david shaw i really don't think anybody's going to get more than three losing seasons and be gone and so he's got one now he rebounds in the way that kyle did kyle got two and then rebounded and hasn't looked back you know if he would have had that third one in a row it would have been difficult now of course he didn't get it so he didn't have to worry about that but shaw this season is really big for Stanford because they've had a level of expectation. They used to be down, but you know, for a good decade or so, they weren't. And now they had this last season, and they had the quarterback change and whatnot, and so they've gotten past that. And so we'll see what they can do this year. There's some pressure on that ball club for that program, for sure, to get back, I would think, to at least probably eight wins. Maybe seven wins can do it in the regular season. And if you've got a bowl win, eight. Uh, but uh, you don't want to let it slip away too much. DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. Stay with us.